quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we continue this hour with the breaking news. President Trump tweeting late this afternoon that he is pulling the plug on the latest negotiations for a COVID stimulus relief bill, which would, of course, leave millions of Americans without help in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. The market's reacting by falling. The Dow just about to close down some 350 or so points. Speaker Nancy Pelosi releasing a statement saying, quote, Clearly, the White House is in complete disarray, unquote. This comes as President Trump is battling coronavirus himself, his physician releasing a new brief update on the president's condition, a short note saying Trump is now reporting no symptoms as he battles the virus, still leaving unanswered many key questions about the president's fight with the virus, such as his temperature, his lung scans, his current medications. Meantime, President Trump is saying he has overcome the virus and the country can too. But of course, he also saying that you can't let this lethal virus, which has killed more than 210,000 Americans, quote, dominate your lives. Can't let it dominate your lives, the president said. The comment has offended many Americans who have lost loved ones to the virus who are suffering health problems, not to mention all of us who, of course, had to change our lives, whether through remote education for our kids or canceled weddings and bar mitzvahs. The notion that this virus that has been mishandled isn't already dominating our lives specifically because of the government's inadequate response is frankly insulting and offensive to all of us. Do you remember this from seven months ago today? Anybody that wants a test can get a test. Seven months ago, he said that. It's still not true. How great would it be if every student and every teacher could get a test? But they can't. The president continues to push lies to the American public about the virus, again falsely comparing the annual death rate from the seasonal flu to that of the novel coronavirus, using false numbers, even though the president is on tape in February privately to Bob Woodward, admitting that he knows coronavirus is much deadlier than the flu. Just one of the signs that the president's infection has only hardened those inaccurate views of the pandemic or willingness to lie about it, even as his own White House has become a hotbed of infection. Joining me now is CNN White House correspondent Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, it's not really clear what prompted the president to tweet that he is pulling out of stimulus negotiations less than a month before the election. It doesn't seem politically all that savvy to me. Well, his advisors were certainly hoping it could actually help give him a boost, but it's not clear what happened and what drove this because the Treasury Secretary who was doing the negotiating on behalf of the administration, Jake, was supposed to meet with or speak with the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in just a matter of hours. And of course, now that is not going to happen since the president says they will not be making any agreement, at least until after the election, which sent the stock market in the direction that the president does not want it to go in. And to be clear, these sides were not close to any kind of agreement, but they were at least talking and making some kind of progress. But now, thanks to what the president said, there will be 
no relief for the millions of Americans who do not have jobs or have not recovered their jobs yet, or of course the small businesses that need an influx of cash at this time. The president says that is not going to happen until at least after November the 3rd. Back at the White House from a three-day hospital stay, President Trump is downplaying coronavirus and says he's looking forward to debating Joe Biden in nine days. He's looking forward to it. He's ready. And I think he's going to go in with an even new mindset on the coronavirus. Trump's own physician says he's still not out of the woods when it comes to his diagnosis. But for now, he's staying in the White House residence and considering delivering a national address. Exactly, you'll see him in some form today. I'll leave that to him exactly how that is. Trump's press secretary is working from home after testing positive for coronavirus, adding to a growing list of officials who were staying home because they tested positive or were in contact with a colleague who did. At least one member of the military who is directly assigned to support the president in the Oval Office and residents tested positive, as did a third staffer in the press office. With officials worried about possible exposure, the West Wing looked more like a ghost town today, and dramatic photos showed the briefing room being disinfected by White House employees dressed in full protective gear. Alongside a final pitch for Joe Biden, votes are already being cast. Michelle Obama referenced the White House outbreak today, noting that the Secret Service and residence staff should never be taken for granted. The president didn't allude to the heightened concern as he returned to the White House Monday night with a staged entrance. A campaign spokesman wrongly claimed that the president was alone on the balcony when he took his mask off. The president's alone on the balcony outside. He takes his mask off. But that's not true. A photographer was right behind the president, and afterward he went inside to reshoot his entrance with a camera crew already waiting. The president spent the day spreading misinformation and Facebook removed one of his posts after he falsely claimed that the flu was responsible for more deaths than the coronavirus. Now, Jake, earlier White House officials said there was a chance we would hear from the president today. There was that talk of a national address, but now my colleague Jeff Zeleny is told it's likely just going to be a recorded address done in the next hour or so and released in the coming hours. But so far, officials are describing the atmosphere in the West Wing today as chaotic, Jake, because there's a lot of staff working remotely, of course, quarantining whether or not they were positive or someone they knew were positive. And this source said that the president is the one calling the shots. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House for us. Thank you so much. Let's bring in CNN Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, uh, the president's doctor says he's showing no symptoms today. He's saying that he has ambulatory oxygen saturation levels of 95 to 97 percent. I will note that he wouldn't tell us what the negative oxygen levels were when he was in the hospital, but he's certainly willing uh, to, to share the, the more positive ones. But be that as it may, what, what does this tell us about the president's condition? Well, it tells us uh, right now, if you look at those numbers, uh, th that he's doing pretty well. I mean, you know, if he's ambulating around, moving around, and he's keeping his oxygenation up, that's an encouraging sign, presumably not getting any supplemental oxygen. Uh, you know, I think the, it's, it's, that, that's, those are good indicators. So you could say at this point in time, he's doing well. But, you know, we know a lot about this disease, and we have to anticipate, you know, what might happen in someone who has active COVID disease, is dealing with these medications that he's receiving, the steroids, all those sorts of things. You got to create a, a fuller picture and you got to still say, look, is, does this mean he's free and clear or does this mean he's got to continue to be monitored for several days, which is, I think it's the latter. And, and that's the point here is that Commander Conley 
is continuing only providing information that reflects well on the president's health, almost only. Uh, what other questions do you need to have answered before knowing how well President Trump is truly doing? Well, th th there's a lot of data, right? I mean, just basic vital signs would be good to know. We've been told his oxygen saturation. Is he having a fever today? What's his heart rate? Does he have any signs of uh, other, other uh, dysfunction of any organs? Does he have pneumonia? I mean, this is a respiratory virus. They still have not answered that question. There is an answer to that question because they conceded that he's had these imaging studies done. So what did they show? They weren't normal, they said. They had findings, they said. That's a really important question. I'd like to ha see lab results that give me an indication of how much inflammation does he have in his body. We know that that inflammation can be really uh, problematic for other organs, can be associated with blood clotting. Is he on blood thinners? I mean, there's lots of questions to, to ask. And frankly, you know, when, when uh, medical people communicate, they usually put this in a one sheet sort of thing. It's all the relevant information for someone to have a, a really clear idea of what's happening. They're, not, they're obviously not giving us that, Jake. And the president's team, uh, you know, they admitted yesterday he's not out of the woods yet. Uh, today he's declaring victory over the virus telling the American people to live their lives, not fear infection, don't let it dominate your lives. Uh, we've seen a number of interviews and videos from people who have lost loved ones, truly offended by the way the president is talking about this. What was your reaction? I share their, I share their being offended by it. I mean, you know, pretty deeply. I mean, you know, taking off the mask and saying, you have nothing to fear. I mean, first of all, I mean, he's obviously in a very privileged position to be able to say that. Most people have nowhere near those resources. But this is still a contagious, deadly virus out there. I mean, it's essentially is advocating for herd immunity, you know, which is something we've talked all, uh, about a lot on your program. And, you know, it's just this idea of just throw up our hands. We got nothing that we can do here. We're just going to throw up our hands and let this, this virus, you know, uh, sort of run free through our nation. Um, I don't, I mean, it's a terrible strategy, uh, you know, maybe up to two million people would die depending on the model that you look at. Hospitals would become overwhelmed. I mean, it, it, would, it would be dis so destructive and yet that's essentially what he was sort of advocating. Take off the mask, you got nothing to fear. It, 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 it's, it's really problematic for people who are already not taking this seriously, obviously, Jake. Uh, unless the president only uh, mislead about that, the president also tweeted this uh, about the flu today, quote, flu season's coming up, many people every year, sometimes over 100,000, uh, and despite the vaccine, die from the flu. Uh, fact check, that number is not true. Are we going to close down our country? No, we have learned to live with it, just like we're learning to live with COVID in most populations, far less lethal. Um, first of all, we haven't had 100,000 Americans die from the flu since 1968, I believe. Um, but right now, more than 700 Americans are dying per day from coronavirus. Uh, has any health expert suggested that the United States should just live with that? No. I mean, no, no public health expert has, has suggested that. And the reality is that even without, I mean, it's always been this false choice, right? You have to close everything down in order to save lives. There's plenty of countries around the world, Jake. They wear masks when they go outside. They're good about hand hygiene. They keep distance. Uh, but the countries are very much up and running. And, and they are, you know, having a small fraction of the number of cases every day that we have, a small fraction of the number of deaths that we have every day. So uh, nobody, it, not only are people not suggesting that this needs to be the way that it is, that this many people die a day, they're offering a very tangible, easy to implement solution. 
they're not just presenting the problem, they're presenting a plan. And the plan is an easy one to execute. So um, it's, it's, it's one of these things where I think if you look at public health experts, they've been, <laughs> they're frustrated after so many months of saying the same thing, you might imagine. Let me just follow up on the flu deaths really quick. I think we have this graphic. You're absolutely right, Jake. I mean, you know, there, there's some 210,000 people who've died of coronavirus this year, seven, eight months now. That's more than the last five years combined when it comes to flu. So flu is, is serious. I mean, we've always said it, and the flu vaccine is really important. But this coronavirus is exponentially worse right now, and we're still not addressing it. Yeah, and there are flu shots, and there is not a vaccine for uh, coronavirus. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thank you so much. Coming up next, what Democrats are saying about President Trump's decision to suddenly end stimulus talks, leaving thousands of Americans without a much-needed lifeline. Plus, what one airport is doing to give travelers a little peace of mind when flying in the age of coronavirus. Stay with us. got breaking news in our money lead. The Dow falling more than 375 points this afternoon after President Trump tweeted just over an hour ago that he is ending all negotiations on a coronavirus relief deal. CNN's Allison Kozik joins me live. And Allison, this isn't just about a one-day drop, you think. You believe that there could be serious long-term impacts. Yeah, I mean, the nervousness, you can just see it just when President Trump tweeted that he he wasn't going to go ahead and negotiate the stimulus package anymore until after the election. We saw a 622 point swing on the Dow. It had been up 206 points and then fell 416 points. This is interesting because the president isn't even listening to Fed Chair Jay Powell, who hours before uh, held a virtual uh, conference with the National Association of Business Economics, repeating his the need for strong stimulus support for the economy, that the stimulus is key to keeping the economic recovery going. In fact, Powell's saying that the risk of Congress pouring too much stimulus into the economy are greater than not doing enough. Another irony here with the president, the president uses the stock market, he uses the economy as a barometer of his success. Uh, In fact, he tweeted, our economy is doing very well, the stock market at record levels, jobs and unemployment are coming back. Yeah, we are seeing a recovery, but that recovery is stalling out. And when there's no stimulus package in the mix, you can't expect the economy to move forward. Jake, we've got millions of people out of work. There basic unemployment. Um, you saw what happened when they had that supplemental unemployment. It helped them put food on the table. It helped them pay their bills. But now they've got nothing. And the reality is, Jake, these Americans and these small businesses, they need that money now. All right, Allison Kozik in New York, thank you so much. Uh, joining us now to discuss Democratic Senator from Hawaii, Senator Maisie Hirono. Senator Hirono, uh, let's start with the president announcing this afternoon that he is ending uh, the talks over the stimulus. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, had been talking with the Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, but President Trump tweeted, quote, I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election, when immediately after I win, we will pass a major uh, stimulus uh, bill. Uh, what's your response? It's very clear that the president and Mitch McConnell uh, do not put protecting American people as a priority. They make it so plain. This reminds me of Trump saying, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico will pay for it. And if people fall for his lies one, one more time, oh my goodness. So that's the president. We also There's one thing one day. Yeah. Another another day. We all saw President Trump last night, uh, moments after he returned to the White House. Uh, he was uh, infected, remains infected with COVID-19. He came out on the balcony 
took off his mask. There was a White House photographer behind him. Um, today, uh, the president's doctor released a memo in which uh, President Trump said he, uh, he uh, is experiencing no symptoms. President Trump reports no symptoms. What's your reaction? Most medical professionals who are wondering exactly what's, uh, what happened to the president are saying that uh, he's not out of the woods yet. I would like to hear his personal physician say he's not out of the woods yet. I don't think we're going to hear that from this physician. He, if he does say that, uh, he's not telling us the full picture. Well, I mean, so the, here's the president. The White House physician did know. say that. The White House physician did say it yesterday that the president's not entirely out of the woods. He wouldn't go into detail well, there uh, you go. about a number of other items, but he did say that. Good. But the president continues to pay down uh, this pandemic. He lied to us from the very beginning. And so, you know, Dr. Fauci has to say that uh, we should not trivialize this pandemic. When you have 40,000 people a day testing positive with uh, 7 million now plus testing positive and over 210,000 people dying, uh, this, this, is, uh, this is no trivial matter. Tell that to all the families who are suffering from what's going on in this pandemic. And by the way, Jake, you know, this pandemic is touching all of us. My mother in Hawaii is in a skilled nursing facility. I have not been able to visit her in seven months. So this is something that so many families are having to uh, undergo. And now the president is saying, forget it. We're not going to do another stimulus when millions of people are out of work. Millions are without health care. And the main thing they want to do, him and Mitch and Lindsey Graham, is to put this nominee on the court just in time for her to sit there to listen to the Affordable Care Act case so that she can vote to strike down the Affordable Care Act, tossing millions of people off of health care. Yeah. That is their number one priority. I yeah. want to talk about uh, Judge Barrett in a second, but, but I actually am curious about what the protocols are for the safety of U.S. senators and their staff on Capitol Hill, because three of your colleagues right now uh, have tested positive for COVID, uh, including Utah Senator Lee and North Carolina Senator uh, Tillis, people who attended that uh, event uh, announcing uh, Judge Barrett as a Supreme Court nominee. what is, the, what is the protocol for somebody like you going into work? Do they require masks on Capitol Hill? Are you, do you have access? Does your staff have access to uh, COVID tests? Um, because it's quite possible that the hot zone at the White House might also become a hot zone a- a- on Capitol Hill. Of course, when you have three senators that currently have tested positive. So there is no protocol that Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham have put forward or agreed to. So they want to have this hearing come hell or high water. And uh, there is a very little, in fact, they haven't said anything about how they expect to protect the senators who are going to be attending this hearing. Can, is there anything that Democrats can do to, to stop the nomination of Judge Coney, it, it, Coney Barrett? It, it appears to me uh, from my reporting and conversations with uh, Democrats and Republicans, that really, if they have the votes, they have the votes, and there's not much you can do. We're still waiting for two more Republican senators to develop some guts, but I'm not holding my breath. But at the same time, we are in the middle of a pandemic that has entered, really, the Judiciary Committee. And yet, uh, the, uh, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell do not prioritize the safety of their own senators. So uh, we are, I'm going to take whatever precautions I can. 
Um, I think most of us who attended the judiciary hearing over the last week, uh, most of us have been tested. I have tested negative, but that doesn't mean that uh, I'm not uh, still susceptible. Yeah. And so we, we, we will see, but we're of course saying that th this is no time for us to, to compromise the safety of any of us. And it's not just us, it's our staff, it's all the people who have to work at the Capitol. Yeah. But this just this shows so plainly that their number one priority is a justice that will strike down the Affordable Care Act. We already know that because uh, Amy Barrett has said that uh, Chief Justice Roberts's decision that saved the Affordable Care Act went way beyond what he should have done mm -hmm. to find that act constitutional. Senator Maisie Hirona, thanks for joining us today. I do hope you get to see your mom Thank soon. You. Keep your fingers crossed, yes. We need to get control over this pandemic. I hope so. And uh, we can't all, to this president to do it. For all the people who can't see their, their, their aging loved ones. Thank you so much, Senator. We've got breaking news on the vice presidential debate and the debate over the plexiglass barriers that the vice president's office is mocking. Stay with us. Breaking news, the vice president's chief of staff, Mark Short, has just said that the Pence team objects to a plexiglass barrier being installed for both Pence and Senator Kamala Harris at tomorrow night's first and only vice presidential debate. CNN's Ryan Nobles joins me now. Ryan, just to make it clear, it is the Trump-Pence White House's own reckless behavior that has caused this, the White House to become a hot zone uh, and Pence has not been quarantining, even though he should be, according to medical experts. And now they're objecting to the idea that Senator Harris wants some sort of safety on the stage? That's exactly right, Jake. Uh, the Harris camp asked for this provision after the debate uh, between the two presidential candidates last week, which, of course, President Trump shortly after that debate tested positive for the coronavirus. So they thought that uh, additional precautions should be put in place here in Salt Lake City for the vice presidential debate. Among the things they asked for was that the candidates uh, be separated further apart than what was originally planned. They agreed to that from 7 to 12 feet. And then the Harris campaign also asked that both the vice president and the senator have a plexiglass barrier in front of them to separate them even more. Now, uh, the uh, Pence camp said they had no problem with Harris having the plexiglass barrier around her. What they object to is the vice president having that same plexiglass barrier. Uh, the uh, uh, Mark Short, who is the vice president's chief of staff, telling our Jim Acosta that they don't believe that there's any additional safety benefit to having that plexiglass barrier put in place. What we don't know at this point, Jake, if it's going to have any impact on whether or not this debate is going to take place. There are ongoing uh, levels of communication between the campaigns and the Commission on Presidential Debates, which runs the debate. I know that the campaigns are right now doing a walkthrough on the stage behind me. We uh, were just inside the building and saw that taking place. So still a lot of back and forth taking place here. But the sense we're getting right now, Jake, is that this isn't necessarily a deal, deal breaker for the Harris campaign. Uh, just, just to be clear, Ryan, it's the vice president who, according to health experts, including one I just interviewed a few minutes ago, who say that Vice President Pence should be quarantined right now because we, he was in direct contact with so many people who have tested positive. He's the one who probably should be making all these offers as opposed to slapping them down. But in fact, uh, a, a spokesperson for the vice president actually even mocked Senator Harris for wanting uh, a plexiglass, plexiglass uh, guard. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, Jake. Uh, Katie Miller, who is uh, the vice president's uh, communications director, uh, told CNN that if Senator Harris, she said, quote, if Senator Harris wants to have a plexiglass fortress around her, herself have at it. If she wants to use a fortress around herself, have at it. And you're right, Jake, the tone uh, is a mocking one uh, when there is so much evidence to the fact that this White House has had just a careless disregard for the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, and that extends to the vice president himself, even though he has tested negative uh, for the last number of days since the president's diagnosis came through, there is still that lingering risk. He was among that group of people at the event where Amy Coney Barrett was officially nominated by President Trump, and he was not wearing a mask. And for the most part, he continues to not wear a mask. Jake. It's recklessness and, and uh, uh, unbelievable hubris at the same time. Um, it's, it's rather staggering. Uh, Ryan Nibbles, thanks so much. Joining us now to discuss emergency medicine physician, Dr. Uh, Derek Cass. Um, Dr. Cass, uh, do you think it's safe for Senator Kamala Harris to be on the same stage with Vice President Pence, who has obviously been exposed to many people who have since tested positive for coronavirus uh, and has not quarantined himself. So let's be honest, this is not only about Senator Harris. What she's doing is advocating for the appropriate behavior from the vice president for everybody at the venue. Remembering that when he enters the facility, will he be wearing a mask? Will, when he gets on stage, what happens to the housekeeping staff, the AV staff, all the people in the audience, the moderator? The only plexiglass barrier that should be mandatory at this vice presidential debate should be around Vice President Pence. And let's be honest, if he's saying, I don't care enough about those at the facility, not just about Senator Harris, then he's really exemplifying what it means to be the leader of the COVID task force. And what did you make when uh, his uh, spokeswoman, Katie Miller, mocked Senator Harris for, for wanting a plexiglass uh, container saying, you know, if she wants a fortress, have at it or something like that? What, what did you make of that tone as a physician and as somebody who I should point out uh, has uh, had coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, look, I walk out of the house with a mask on every day, even having antibodies, knowing that I'm unlikely to carry this virus to anybody else. When I go to the store, there's a plexiglass barrier between me and the person working at the grocery store to protect them from everybody. So what do I mm -hmm. think? I think it's embarrassing for them. Yeah. And I think that it shows the same tone they appreciate everything else with. Dr. Cass, thank you so much. I'm sorry I have to cut you short because uh, Vice President Biden is about to speak. Let's listen in. Do this. You've been listening to Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden speaking in Gettysburg in the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, making a pitch for bipartisanship in the wake of multiple crises. CNN's Jessica Dean uh, is in Gettysburg. And Jessica, this is uh, what Biden has been selling to voters now uh, since he announced basically normalcy, getting back to a sense of normalcy. Uh, and uh, there was no policy proposal in that speech, just an idea of like, Everybody just calm down. Let's get back to normal. Right, Jake, it was really a call to arms to a return to normalcy. And, and as you point out, that has been the messaging from Joe Biden since he kicked off his campaign in April of 2019 when he called this a battle for the soul of the nation. So to see him return to that messaging today, it's something we have heard again and again over the many months that we've been covering Joe Biden. It was also uh, very much who he is. Remember, Joe Biden spent decades and decades in the U.S. Senate where he prided himself on uh, his bipartisan outreach. Uh, his friendships with with people across the aisle. He believes in that. Uh, it is how he believes he can be effective. It is how he believes America can move forward. And you notice we are here in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania,
Pennsylvania uh, near the battlefields from the Civil War where Abraham Lincoln gave that speech. And Jake, I thought it was interesting. He said, once again, we find ourselves a house divided and that cannot be. We simply are facing too many crises, making the argument uh, that democracy is on the line in this election. Jake. All right, Jessica Dean in the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, a big battleground state. Uh, Biden also talking about the importance of, of voting, which is already happening right now. A time lapse gives a glimpse into turnout in Ohio, as that state started early voting today, the line took over a shopping center in Franklin County in the area of Columbus. In Florida, the state is now extending voter registration after a system crash last evening. In many cases, states are making concerted efforts to try to meet voter demand. In others, there appear to be efforts to create burdens for voters. CNN's Pamela Brown is looking at that in the latest piece in a series about election integrity issues that we're, call, we're calling Making It Count. In Ohio, the line of voters stretched around entire city blocks as early voting gets underway today in more states. I think it's rekindled like a spirit of democracy in a lot of people. It hasn't me because I've, I've missed votes, you know, so but I'm not missing today. This comes as Ohio's Secretary of State issued a directive limiting drop boxes to one location. County Board of Elections offices, even though a court said he could expand it further. To expand it beyond that when it's not specifically called for in the law, it would be irresponsible at this point and would really cause confusion. In Indiana, early voting is also underway as anxious voters, many wearing masks, braved long lines amid a deadly pandemic. And in Florida, the voter registration system went down Monday amid a flood of applications ahead of the state's deadline. That prompted the Secretary of State to reopen the system for a few more hours today. A federal judge in Arizona extended the deadline there by two weeks, citing the impact of coronavirus on voter registration efforts. But a victory for Republicans in South Carolina after the Supreme Court reinstated the state's witness signature requirement on absentee ballots. And many of these states, voters say they're not taking any chances with their ballot. I think that instead of three hours today, it might be seven or eight on November 3rd. So I wanted to get it done in the most convenient way possible. I dropped off my ballot. I put it in the voter box because I didn't trust the U.S. mail. Election officials in both parties are pushing back on USPS postcards sent to all households, saying voters should, quote, request your mail and ballot at least 15 days before Election Day which is inaccurate for many states. The Office of Utah's Republican Lieutenant Governor is urging residents to ignore the USPS voting instructions. Missouri's Secretary of State is saying similar in a tweet. Today, lawmakers say they're increasingly concerned about Americans' confidence in the U.S. voting system. Americans need accurate information about how to cast their ballot. The misinformation being spread in the lead up to this year's election is a disservice to voters and a danger to our democracy. And in Texas, in response to the Texas governor's order for there to only be one ballot box per county, a group started by LeBron James is now teaming up with Lyft to offer free rides to register voters up to $15 to the one ballot box in Harris County, that big county in Texas with millions of voters. Jake. Thank you so much, Pamela Brown. Really appreciate it. That's making it count. We're going to keep an eye on election integrity issues uh, up until the election. Be sure to tune in to the only vice presidential debate of 2020. CNN special coverage of that debate uh, begins at 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. That's Wednesday night. 
Until then, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. I'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.